Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Jabari McIntyre of the Facebook wrestling group Naw or Nation of African American Wrestling. We talk about the origin of the group, Southern wrestling, and some other topics. Check it. So, how's it looking out in Georgia? Uh, this week is actually a lot better. Um, it's supposed to rain this weekend, but the weather is finally warming back up. Springtime in ATL. So it's about to be, it's about to be sundress season. Yes. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Shit. Same thing up here in, up in Maryland, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, how did Nog get started? Okay, so we started from another big nerd group. Extraordinary Journey of a Black Nerd group. And um, I was an admin in there at one point. So... A lot of times it was one of those times where there was a lot of wrestling going on. I think it was like during WrestleMania time. So it was, you know, a lot of wrestling topics and stuff popping up. And I just kindly asked, hey, you know, it's a lot of wrestling going on. So can I just make another side group based upon the wrestling? So it was cool and everything. But after a while, we needed our own identity. So about a year into us being called the Extraordinary Journey of a Black Nerd Wrestling Group, you know, uh, we needed to grow up a little bit, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So people, you know, so we were like, okay, you know, we're cool with the group. We're cool with them. We started out of them. We give praise to them a little bit. However, now, what do we want to be? And then somebody one day suggested that we be the nation of African-American wrestling. And it went from there. Nice. And f- and five years later, here we are. Yep. At first, you were kind of confused by the name, right? I was because I didn't really put it together because he was like nation of African-American wrestling. I was like, okay. That's cool and everything, but then he broke it down to the initials of Nah, and I was like, "Oh crap, that's so genius!" It is. Like, why did I not think of that? But this is like, you know. But one of my biggest things is that I want people to treat this group as their own, also. Oh yeah. Yes, I started the group. However, it's as much your group as it is my group. You see what I'm saying? Oh, completely. You know, because I'll put it this way, when it comes to whenever you put something out in public and everything, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's even even though it's, even though it could be great, what keeps it going is the lifeblood of the audience. Right. You know, so it's like you can have all the great conversations like you want to, but it was only amongst five of your friends and everything. You know, yeah. Right. And, and people have to realize that, you know, yes, I started. That's, you know, that's indisputable. However, I'm not the most knowledgeable person about wrestling. I don't know everything in wrestling. That's where everybody else comes in. I'm here in the South. Other people are up North, West Coast, Midwest, wherever they are. They bring their experiences to the group, and we all get together and learn something almost every single day. You have people who are a little bit older. You learn something from them, you know. For for whatever reason, people have really taken to the group and treated as something that they've never seen before. 
and that's what I really appreciate about it. You know, they they take it and they, you know, they try not to troll too hard about it, so to speak. You got your trolls. You do have your trolls. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Or your troublemakers like me. Right, but it's you know you cool, you cool, you know you. However, at the end of the day, we all realize there aren't that many of us out there. Now, don't get me wrong; it's, it is six, it's over six thousand of us in that group, and that's a big number for us. But compared to some of the other groups who have twenty, thirty thousand, upwards to a hundred and something thousand people, it's like okay, we're just a drop in a bucket. So we have to treat it like a precious commodity because if this ends, you know, there aren't too many other places we could go. No, there's not. You know. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other groups that are coming up now. And it's a great thing that, you know, they are coming up. And some of them might use us as a model. I don't know if they do or not. But... You know, there are other groups now that focus on black wrestling, and it's like, okay, it is good to see. Now we're starting to get other places to go. Oh, yeah. And if you don't like how, you know, if you don't like the atmosphere that we have, you can go to somewhere else and maybe enjoy their atmosphere. It's it's fine. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm I'm, I'm cool with that because we need the voices. We need the voices. My 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 goal is still the same. We need as many black voices as possible. Completely. All right. Here's a weird analogy. Like, okay, if you're not feeling BET, there's also Aspire. There's also Colors TV. Kind of like that. Yes. TV One. You, you see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. Yeah. TV One. Well, <laughs> no matter how you feel about the other channels. Yeah. They are. They are still there. One of the most, I'll put it this way, when I think of the South, I think of three things. I think of Southern Rock, I think of Jim Beam, and I think of WCW. Okay. All right, so you were at the Omni a few times, right? Yes, a couple of times, yes. What was that like? Ruckus. It was pure ruckus. It was pure pandemonium. But it was just an awesome place to be at. You know, I don't have too many vivid memories because I was there when it was young. You know, they got rid of it, I think, when I was a teenager. Yeah, they got rid of it, you know, when I was in my upper teens. And then, you know, when I started my upper teens, you know, going to college and everything, and then go. But I went, you know, in the early 80s and stuff like that. And the atmosphere is like, hmm. Have you ever, have you ever been to Greensboro? North Carolina? Oh, yeah. Have you been to the Greensboro Coliseum? No, I haven't actually. Okay, all right. Well, it's it's kind of hard to describe, but it's like going to it's like a bigger ballroom, you know, like Hammerstein Ballroom. It's like a yeah, bigger yeah. version of that. All right. But you know, it just seems what is the best way to describe it? It, it seems magical, actually. To me, it was magical because, like I said, I was so young when I went there. Yeah, it was it was just magical. The closest I can think of the way you described it, it almost sounds like ECW Arena. There you go. Probably bigger is probably a bigger version of ECW Arena. Sounds lit. Well, it was. <laughs> Shoot, you know, because it's kind of funny. One of my buds actually, they lived in Atlanta too. They're like 
in like early forties. So I guess you're like, guess what? Kind of, we're kind of age peers, you know. They're like a little bit older mm-hmm. than me, though, right? He plays a funkadelic now, but he remembers him seeing he he would be down at the Omni and whatnot. He see Jim Cornette with the with the tennis racket, Bobby eating everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, I just I just I put it this way. It's kind of weird. Like the older I get, the more I appreciate stuff. Like I love like you know GCW or WCW eighties WCW, right? Right. You know, or I go in the network and I find like you know Saturday Night WCW. You know, and it's something about that. It just feels comfortable if that makes sense or not no it, and it feels comfortable and intimate exactly because because now see the difference between the omni and the georgia dome and now you know mercedes-benz stadium is the fact that of course omni was the smaller arena omni was the small you know was a smaller arena than the georgia dome because the georgia dome was our stadium hmm. oh yeah so, yeah that makes sense that makes sense right you see what i'm saying oh, yeah. so I saw, okay, so I saw a WCW show in the Georgia Dome also. And don't get me wrong, it was a very awesome show because, of course, that's the night that Goldberg beat yeah. Hogan. Right, I was there for that. And it was very ruckus, it was very loud, and we thought that the place was going to shake apart. However, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Omni, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me, the Omni is just a little bit smaller. But it feels homelier. It just feels homelier. I guess it's just the way they set up everything too. But you know, with the dome, you know, with with bigger stadiums and domes and everything, you know, they just have it's just a big, wide open space. With you know, like the Omni and Phillips Arena, even Phillips Arena, it's just homelier because they cut everything off and just bring you in just a little bit closer. Every time I hear the Omni, I just think of that one. That, I just think of that one promo from Dusty Rhodes. Have you seen that one? <laughs> you know the one. Which one? The one like, I got a bad gorilla. That one. <laughs> yes. And it's like a big bloody gorilla shit all over the place, brother. You know, like I said last time, there has been so much blood from a rose spilt in the Omni. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like anytime, anytime a road comes to Atlanta, just, just, just know they're going to the hospital afterwards. Oh yeah, or the medical facility somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know why Vince McMahon said, "No, no, no, pal, medical facility." You know why he started saying that, right? Why is that? Because people kept on calling local hospitals. I mean, hey, that means you did your job. Vince, Vince has his, Vince has his universe. Yeah, Vince has, his, Vince, has his, Vince has his universe. Oh yeah, we talked about that once. But um, okay. So when'd you get smartened up? <laughs> uh, back to the beach '96, specifically. Nice. Were you there or because, were you on TV? No, watching it on TV. I mean, look. We knew that there were some aspects of wrestling that were, you know, fantasized. And you could see that it was, you know, scripted. However, the night that Hogan turned is like, you can never look at it the same again. It's like the hero of wrestling at that time, because he is, he's, he ain't sitting down. But the hero of wrestling at that time turned heel. 
And everything from there on out is like you have to look at it differently. You have to look at it differently. So, you know, and that's when I started paying attention more to everything that goes on. The people's reactions, how people, you know, how the fans' reactions, the wrestlers' reactions, how matches were structured, you know, how everything from there on out, it just made me pay attention because I was so invested in that story. It's kind of fascinating. All right, so I noticed when people got Spartan up, I noticed two things happened. They were either one, so flustered because they felt, I've been had, I've been bamboozled, I've been flummoxed and everything, right? So they just had nothing to do with it. Or they became so invested, actually, they just became more enthralled with it. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, back in the time, back in <clears throat> the eighties, we didn't have as many camera angles. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have all the technology that we had now. So it was a little bit easier to hide stuff. Kayfabe was kayfabe was law. Kayfabe was law. I grew up knowing that Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair hated each other. That's what I grew up knowing. You know what I'm saying? That's what I grew up knowing. I grew up knowing that, you know, that uh, Magnum TA was the hottest thing going until his accident, of course. You know, I grew up knowing a lot of these things that the Four Horsemen, you know, we're just like the baddest team of all time. Those things that you just knew growing up. And then after a while, it's like, oh, oh, Dusty Rose and Ric Flair actually kind of like each other. Well, what's up with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, not, that's not right. That's not right. Oh, they actually work together. Oh, they're actually cool behind the scenes. Like, oh, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, what is this? Because, you know, you always, you know, we've always had rumors back in the day. Like, oh, crap. You know, we, I, well, you know, like eight, nine years old at the cafeteria table shooting the shit. Like, dude, you know, wrestling is fake. No, it's not. Wrestling is fake. No, it's not. You know, having those conversations. We didn't know no better. <laughs> we didn't know it. We didn't know any better. So, you know, we had the benefit of less technology then. Now, don't get me wrong. We still had the 1-800 numbers. We still had dirt sheets. We still had the tapes. We, we had all of that. But back then, they kept the illusion a little bit better. That is true, because I keep on thinking about guys like Al Snow, for example. He told a story about whenever he was in town, like the day before an episode of Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or whatever, right? He will walk around town with the mannequin head talking to it. Mm-hmm. And he would go yeah. to like Denny or something like that with the mannequin head talking to it, right? And the idea was, and somebody asked, well, why do you do that? And the philosophy was simple, because in case somebody's watching and they have to be scrolling the channel, they hey, that's that weird guy with the mannequin head. They'll remember there you him. Go. Because it's hard to forget a guy talking to a, talking to a mannequin head of public. Right. You know? Or, which, is why MJF, which is why MJF now gets so much attention because he's always being MJF. That is true. Because for he's always just being MJF regardless of whatever. He'll see you on the street just shoot a bird at you for no reason. Like, oh, God, that is just 
MJF being MJF. That is a smart thing to do because, oddly enough, somebody did share a screenshot in the group where I think somebody was like a was like a was was a server and they knew somebody in the group and they said, "Yo, I think the MJF guy is here," and he was totally out of character. Really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> so it's a rare moment. And the thing about it is I figured out it makes sense. Like if you're in a wrestling, if you're in town to wrestle and whatnot, right? It makes sense for him to do that. You know, if you're going to be in certain hotspots, like hypothetically, if he's in Baltimore, Maryland, and it ends up at Jimmy seafood. It makes sense for him to be in character. And there are some videos where there's some shoot videos too, you know, where you do see behind, you know, behind, you know, the persona and whatnot, you know, but they're rare. If I, have you seen that one? Have you seen that one documentary one? No, I have not. Not yet. Let me tell you right now. Uh, they did a documentary on uh, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, and it is a work of art. Really? It is a fucking psycho thriller. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. Um. I can't remember who was in there. Um. I think Stokely Carmichael's in there too. Nice. Okay. I think he's in there. Um. I think he says like, yeah, my email just is not Stokely Carmichael. I'm guessing here that's him. Point being, <laughs> yeah, you know. So that's what I was admired about those guys. Like, okay, damn, it was about a year ago, right? When Monday Night Raw was doing an episode in DC, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I hit up somebody who was like um, acting as an agent. Well, not acting, working as an agent right there, right? And I'm giving him commentary toward the show. And I said to him, Yo, that was a great piece of business. You really had me going, Randy Orton Edge. You really had me going. And he said, great, great job. So, he said, great job about that, right? So, I said, mm-hmm. you know, if this was the 80s, you would have to have Edge rolling through every bar looking for Randy Orton. Sure, sure would. In fact, I kind of miss those days, you know? All right. Do you think there's any way to... All right, to me, I always feel kayfabe has evolved. Like, I don't think kayfabe's dead. I just think it's evolved, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, remember when uh, Rey Mysterio lost his eyeball? <laughs> you yeah. literally had on comicbook.com and people sharing that article. You know? Oh, mm-hmm. yo, did he really lose his eyeball in a match? Of course, I didn't tell him because apparently they never saw the match with Vader when he actually lost his eyeball. Oh, you haven't? Oh, wow. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to tell them how it actually looked though, because they actually believed the shit. Just, t- but then again, if you t- if you give them the Vader one, it just oh my god, it's a tale of night and day. Because yeah, holy crap, that eyeball did come out. True, <laughs> eyeball did come out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you know exactly. Because imagine being a kid seeing that. Holy shit. Man, imagine we saw that as, as kids. It's like holy shit, it's all going I just, I, I just, just crunched up all over right now. <laughs> what? Fuck! I get I had to do the Jim Cornette high voice. Fuck! Yes. Yeah. All right. So that being said, are there any remnants of Georgia's wrestling scene in the current wrestling in the current indies right now? Um. Right now, the indie scene in Georgia is actually pretty well because of COVID, it's been decimated a lot. But um, 
the scene right now is actually I would say it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty dope. And what I mean is that, you know every every promotion now is so different from each other that, you know, it reminds me of the days when I used to go to the uh to the gym off of Baker Street to watch the shows and everything like that. And every show is just so different in the fact that, you know, you got your main one that's here in Atlanta, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment that caters to, you know, to more of a, not necessarily hip hop, so to speak, but you know, it's a little bit more urban. Yeah, like a young urban audience like that. Yeah, because it's it's mostly black. I, I oh, wouldn't yeah. say it like that. It, it is mostly black. It's, it's a it, you know, it's a lot of us out there. Yeah, yeah. Then you have the Southern Honor, which was which would be what um, it's a it's it's like a step down from what an AEW would be. Only reason I say that is because you know they have the lights, they have the flashy cameras, they have the great production and everything like that. However. Is geared towards a different kind of audience. Okay, so it's a step up from PWG, a step down from AEW. I would, I would say it's right there with PWG. Okay, so yeah, because 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 they're such a new company, they haven't got their name quite there yet. They haven't quite got it yet. You know, we we're not saying, oh oh, this is Southern Honor. However, you know, that was the last show where Kenny Omega, well, yeah, with Kenny Omega and Jericho and everybody showed up before they, you know, launched AEW. That is the last indie show they they went to before, you know, they launched AEW. So it's not quite there yet because it's such a new company, but they're coming up. They are coming up. Okay, what's it called again? Southern Honor Wrestling. Okay. See, when I think of Southern Honor, it sounds like some kind of developmental branch for Ring of Honor down south. Well, that's what it sounds like. If you if you if you actually pay attention, and once you look up, once you look them up, is really the the feeder to AEW. Oh, okay. So okay, so because because their current champion, David Ali. He's wrestled on AEW. A lot of people from AEW Dark, Sean Dean, he wrestled there. Lee Johnson, he wrestled, you know, wrestled there. Uh, who else has wrestled there? There's a couple of other names you probably might not pay attention to. Ashton Starr, he's wrestled there. It's a lot of the. It's a lot of people who have wrestled AEW Dark that actually, you know, have wrestled at Southern Honor. And of course, because the Nightmare Factory down is down here too. Oh so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they train at the school. They get to the same, you know, they get to the same shows around the city. So you just gotta look at it like a puzzle piece. That's how I look at it, like a puzzle piece. That's pretty cool, you know. I've, I've you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of those shows and saw these guys before, you know, the pandemic hit and AEW had to come down here to use these guys. So I saw them before, you know, everybody else saw them. And I saw the pieces of the puzzle come together before we even knew there was a picture for the for the puzzle. 
who's a guy or a gal or whatever um, that you saw had potential in? They realized, okay, this guy or this person has the makings of a star. Or Sean Dean and Lee Johnson. I, I saw both of them coming. I saw both of them coming a mile away. I know I'm pretty high on those guys. I know they're very new right now. However, I saw them when they were first at you know at uh, WWA for wrestling school. So you know, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it helps a little bit. They you know I consider them my brothers too. <laughs> you know, so I'm always I'm always shout them out. I'm always praise them though. Who's improved the most out of those two, or just out of generally speaking that you notice? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> that is a very good question. Oh. We'll come back to that one. All right. Okay. So, okay, being down south and everything, when AEW first started, people were rolling up to me saying, yo, this looks looks just like WCW. And you know what? I see it as an evolved version, but, you know, I'm up here in Maryland and whatnot. So I'm more of a skewed view. But if anything, I always saw early TNA as like a continuation of WCW. Would you say that's a fair assessment, or is AEW something totally different? It has elements of everything. To say it's just strictly WCW 2.0 is not a fair assessment because it seems like they've taken the best of everything and try to, you know, put it into their show right now. So um, they've taken, you know, some of the blue collar elements that we were talking about before the blue collar elements of WCW they have that in that show also they have you know the high flying indie spots and stuff in their show too they have a big production like WWE you know they take they just seem to go around and took a little bit of elements of everything they got you know a lot of factions right now yeah and that you know from like New Japan so it's it's a little bit of everything. Now, don't get me wrong, because of the names that are there, you know, of course, you know, you got Tony Giovanni, JR, Sting, you have Tully, you know, Tully Blanchard, R. Anderson. Oh, of yeah. course, everybody's going to be like, okay, yeah, it is WCW 2.0, but that's just only like six or seven names out of 80, 90 people. Oh, yeah. It just so happened those names just happen to be, you know, some of the bigger names. And I think it's just a little unfair to them, like, you know, what, you don't want them to go work anywhere? You don't want them to do anything with the rest of their life? No, they want to be in the business and they want to help out the company, so let them help out the company. Exactly. It also gives this new company essentially credibility. Yes, it does. You know, I mean, I admit it, I wasn't a big... I'm can't say I'm a big Chris Jericho guy, even though he was pretty cool to uh, Mr. Grimm and whatnot. Um, you know, I would say it was a good thing that he's there, you know, right. or yeah. the funny thing about it is, um, I remember hearing rumblings and rumors of it, of AEW really. Cause they were saying, yo, Jim Ross and Chris Jericho are going to start a new wrestling promotion and they denied it. But that's the fascinating part. When somebody denies some shit, that you know is going on. <laughs> yes. 
you know so technically mm-hmm. i guess maybe it was the beginnings of it so maybe jim ross was something on the lines of maybe he didn't feel like you know actually running a promotion but hey i'll do the consultation stuff which i understand totally you know i get right. why he would do that you know so you need you need those people you need those people I mean, you know, who who wouldn't want Jericho, uh, a, a veteran that has been there, done that, got the T-shirt, got the, got the belts and everything. Who wouldn't want that veteran leadership on their on their squad? It makes sense to me. It really does. You know, I'm curious though. What are your thoughts on Kenny Omega? You know, really working in the U.S. I'm glad he's accepting his character now. I'm glad that he's going back to the cleaner character. And I've always thought that, you know, in the first year, well, the first three years, they need to get themselves together. They need to find their identity. And that's what they're doing now. We knew eventually the Young Bucks was going to be tag team champions. We knew Kenny Omega was going to be their main champion. They have to get that out of the way. They have to get that out of the way first. They have to allow some of the younger stars to build up a little bit more. Let us get familiar with them and then pass it on to them. So while they have name recognition, hey, use it. Let, let Kenny Omega be the asshole that he is. I, I'm, I'm loving it right now. I'm digging it too because, all right, I admit it. I'll put it this way. When it came to the Bullet Club, I remember when the Bullet Club hit, it was pretty much like the wrestling answer to the Beatles. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, even if you didn't fuck with wrestling, you still had that damn shirt. Like, I remember up here, yeah, local bands, they had the Bullet Club design. Right. You know, trying to design that logo, right? And in fairness, it was revolutionary. You know, but the thing about it is, I kind of felt like when Kenny Omega was in New Japan, obviously he stuck the fuck out. You know, they were basically doing what NWO was doing. But mm-hmm. in fact, isn't it true that NWO was basically a knockoff or a ripoff of another, you know, pr- another faction over in Japan anyway? That's what the rumor was. I'm, I'm not quite sure how true it was. Yeah. Because you know what the That's joke what was. Because you know what the joke what, was, right? What's that? NWO, NWO stood for Now Without Orientals. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so bad. That is so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. they're not even. It's like that's not even the proper term for that. I'm like, what the fuck? People just come up with anything, you know that people just come up with anything. Yeah. But I remember seeing his matches in Japan. I was like, there's something about this guy. When I would even say, when I was arguing with somebody, I say goodbye and good night. You know. Mm-hmm. I would say goodbye and good night. And my friend was, I'm a goddamn star. That that cracked me up. Like I can still find it online. I wanted to sample it for something. But, you know, I kind of felt like this is something here where I kind of feel like maybe it's a production around it, but it's something here that's missing with Kenny Omega here, so hopefully he finds it again. Yeah, like I said, they just have to find their footing. They have to find out what they want to be. And when they find out what they want to be, they have to stick with it. Totally. Even though there's even though there's one side of me that I feel this way. If there is a hot commodity in wrestling, right, the Royal Rumble should be open to everybody. Mm-hmm. Because not just the WWE universe, I mean anybody and everybody. I really feel it should be open up for everybody. Just do a quick run in, 
take out some mid Carter and they get tossed out or toss get themselves tossed out or whatever. The main thing is to let them know there. Because, I mean, when Kenny Omega became a free agent, right, you're going to tell me that if he entered the Royal Rumble, that it would, the building wouldn't have shook. Okay, I agree with you. However, we know what the main problem is. Yeah, and, uh, you know. Wrestling doesn't exist outside of the universe. See, that's what pisses me off, too, because I'll never forget when AJ Styles and Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura had a feud and everything, right? And I'll never mm-hmm. forget when AJ was saying that he that he beat Shinsuke, and I'm like, motherfucker, don't you know we have YouTube nowadays? Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We have Daily Motion. We have YouTube. Venmo? Exactly. I mean, not Venmo, but whatever no, no, the other Vimeo. One is. Vimeo. Vimeo. There it is. We've seen it on we've seen it on Access TV. You know, you can't do that anymore. It's not like the Brazilian Intercontinental title anymore, buddy. This is why I dare say that this in quote unquote invasion, invisible door angle is working. It is. Because they don't hide the fact that there is other wrestling out there. They are embracing the fact that, okay, these things actually did happen and it makes it a little bit better and you need to know these things. You see what I'm saying? You need to know these things. Exactly. You know, like, for example, remember when Ring of Honor in New Japan had the supercard in Madison Square Garden? Yes. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That shit should happen more often. You know, I mean... All right, so you're part of EJOB in for a second. So, of course, you know about Dragon Ball. Tenichi, I can't pronounce the shit anymore. The Budokai thing, right? Budokai Tenchaichi. Yes. Tenchaichi. Yes, that one. You know how sad that is? I can't pronounce the shit anymore because I remember going to Otakon with my mom and sister, and we would be like collecting the original Dragon Ball Z mangas, the actual ones in wow. Japanese from wow. Jump Comics. Like, that's how hardcore it was into that. I still am, you know. But nonetheless, I would like to see a super show every year of the best talent. You know, I mean, it, it does make sense. You know, but hold on. What do you think all in was? Damn good point. I want to see more all ins. You know, there you go. all in should have happened. It should have happened every year. You know, once before when well, it was the kickoff to AEW, but that was really a Ring of Honor thing if you think about it. Yeah, it was. It was a Ring of Honor thing, but however, it had you everybody. had moves there. You yeah. had moves there. You had people from the Indies there. Yeah. You had people who would eventually be, of course, AEW there. You had people from Impact there. You had those people there at the same time. It was a modern day super show. It was a modern day super show. And I believe because of this angle, it will go back to it. I believe I believe it's building up to it. It only makes sense because I'll put it this way. Listen, um, Here's a weird analogy. Yes, Pornhub is the most popular platform for adult content, all right? Mm-hmm. But there's also X videos. There's also XNXX.com. I don't think the people at Pornhub are going to deny that there's other shit out there. Right, they won't. You see what I'm saying? So I just think it's really trite when WWE, WWE tries to pretend that because even they say we're we're not wrestling, we're sports entertainment. I'm like, okay, dude. Um, you can call football um human tackling all you want to, but it looks like fucking football to me. <laughs> True. You know, and, I, and, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I get it. 
Yeah. They won. They won. They're the biggest. Oh, yeah. You can do whatever you want because you won and you're the biggest. That's fine. However, if you want wrestling to grow as a whole, sometimes you might have to drop your pride just a little bit. Just just slightly. That's not, about, not much. Let's drop it a little bit and be like, hey, these things actually did happen. Yeah. You know? And wrestling as a whole is good for it. As a whole is good for it. Absolutely. Not WWE is good for it. Not AEW is good for it. Not Impact. No. As a whole, our business is good for it. And don't get me wrong, I'm saying this as a person from that's outside of the business. I'm just saying this as far as a fan looking, you know, on the outside looking in. So what do I know? Uh, well, you realize, <laughs> listen, you have, you have Chris Bay popping in, so give us a little more credit, you know. Truth be told is, i put it this way. I feel this way. There's certain fans that, you know what, you can get wrapped up into your own bubble, right? And I really mm-hmm. feel like fans that are a bit more knowledgeable and are that connection, can you make a connection between the pros and the fans? I really feel, you know, if that makes sense or not, you know. I, I, I feel like I am a bridge. I think yeah, I'm a bridge. Oh yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to bone or anything like that. I'm, I just feel like you know, because of how we treat ourselves and all, and how we don't do the drama, people trust us a little bit. Oh yeah. You know, people actually trust us, so it's a little, a little easier for wrestlers to actually talk to us. Oh yeah. And talk to us like we're people. Oh yeah, completely. You know, it was kind of funny. You you were talking a bit about how it was good for the business and whatnot, right? You know, the crossovers, mm-hmm. right? Speaking of crossovers, okay, there's always been this complaint how wrestling has become more of a cottage industry. Like, it has an ebb and flow. Like, in fairness, about every April, maybe late March, every April, WrestleMania season pops up. I tend to see a lot more wrestling fans, right? But, mm-hmm. okay, we were around when wrestling was way bigger, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any way or any possible way to have that, you know, what's someone looking for? Have that boom come back? Or are those days gone and should we just focus on our own? Or should we try to go for more mainstream stuff? And if so, how do you bridge that mainstream? How do you get that mainstream audience to watch and be interested in wrestling again? Well, for one, I don't know if it'll ever be back where it was, you know, 10, 000, 10 million people watching every week. I don't think we'll ever have that again. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is what it is. Times have changed. As far as, you know, um, getting back to that, you know, getting to a point where it's a little bit more mainstream, I don't know. Because some of the old traditions will have to die. Yeah. In order for that to happen, what traditions those are, I don't know. You know, I have to look at that a little bit more specifically. You know, or I have to, you know, talk to, you know, talk to some some of the old wrestlers and some of the newer wrestlers to see what they think. Oh, yeah. But some of those traditions will have to die because it is a different day and age. Yeah, kayfabe is not as important anymore. No, social social media, you know, a person's brand is their brand nowadays. So yeah. that's more important than sometimes, you know, 
they might look at their brand and be and think that it's more important than their you know their um the company whether it's right or wrong whether it's fair or not it is what it is you see what i'm saying so they're they're as people say you have to get with the times so sometimes you you are going to have to get with the times on some things so what those things are we'll just have to take a little deep dive later on and actually talk to some of the wrestlers about that because as fans because as fans we want to see one thing you know what i'm saying we like high flying stuff now we like faster paced energy we like more athletic we like more wrestling storytelling yes we like people who can talk we do like that but if the product is you know like a submission match doesn't really go over with a lot of fans nowadays hardcore fans yes I love I, I love it. You know, give me a day a Daniel Bryan and the Zack Saber Jr. in a match, and I'll be happy all day, all night. But the average fan might just not like that now. You know, there's the attention span. You know, young people's attention span is a little bit different now. That's true. You know how I kind of figured out the attention span is dwindling. How's that? Remember Space Ghost Coast to Coast back on Cartoon Network? Yes. Yes. Remember how long the show was? Yes, about 30, well, some some episodes were like 30 minutes. Yeah, but back in the early beginning, it was like 10 or 15 minutes. Right. They cut it, they cut, they extended it to the 30 minutes, but they, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was, it was like short bites. And now we have literally on Adult Swim, the shows became like 10, 15 minutes. Sure have. You know, so technically you have four episodes in an hour, you know, and, um, so I would say that hell, even YouTube before back in the day, YouTube videos were like ten minutes long. Why do you think you know TikTok is is, is as popular as it is? It's sixty, 60 seconds. seconds. Shout out to Vine, <laughs> you know. Yes, yeah, right. Vine was highly popular when it first came out. Six second videos, you could do a lot in those six seconds. Exactly. So you know, there you go. But you're right. I guess. This, I guess. But yeah, you're right though. They do like the higher paced stuff. Now, in my case, I don't mind the flippy shit at all. I don't mind the high paced stuff. I don't mind it at all. Except one little gripe that I have. Okay. I've always felt with Leo Rush, the, his last match of combat zone wrestling, if anything, when he got back up after, you know, after that, after that <laughs> spot, I after really, the exactly, the power bomb. I really felt like. He should have she's tried to wobble around a little bit after he got up. Like, cause you ever get you ever get up too fast? Yes. You get dizzy for a thing like, oh, whoa, sell whoa, that dizziness and then get the pin. That's the only gripe I would have had. Aside from that, it's just the nuances I miss. You know? Now, just as an aside, that's what pissed me off last week with AEW. When Cody and Pencil were having their match and Cody uh, got his quote-unquote arm broke. Mm-hmm. And then immediately rolled up pencil for the one, two, three. And I'm like, you're not going to sell that at all? Exactly. You just He just literally quote-unquote snapped your arm. Give me at least you rolling around in pain for at least a minute. Yeah. Go out to the floor. Oh, this hurts. Oh, this is hard. Do that for at least a minute. Don't just come up and roll them up. And then that's the end of the match. Like, oh, really? My philosophy is this. Make me forget. (laughs) 
like make me forget this uh, this is a this is something with a predetermined outcome make me fucking mm-hmm. forget that's the kicker right. you know make me think that Penta actually was going to win the match exactly you know just the, oh and the other one that and of course it involves Cody again god damn it Jordan the match, had with, <laughs> the match he had with Shaq and Jade Cargill he got powerbombed and I get the reason why he popped out so fast is because, you know, he's still, you know, controlling the match with Shaq. Oh, yeah. Shaq is still green. Shaq is still, you know, not a wrestler. So, yeah. However, come on. Shaq powerbombed you. Exactly. Shaq powerbombed you. Exactly. You know, and I admit it. I do miss it when finishing moves are finishing moves. You mm-hmm. know, like, okay, Canadian Destroyer. When I first saw that damn thing, I was like, whatever you do, do not get up fast from that shit. Don't make it look like this regular offensive move. You know? Well, I, I kind of I, I kind of have to disagree slightly with that. Only because I like how people are doing variations of it now. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about like, how people react to it, though. I mean that. Right, right. That's true. But yeah. it's like, you see somebody, okay, you see a Petey Williams Canadian Destroyer. Shout out to, to, to the originator. Then you'll see a cold red, which is a version of it. Then you see an avalanche cold red. And then you'll see Phoenix. I don't know what the hell Phoenix be doing. I, 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 don't, understand, I don't understand how he does it. But the over-the-top rope Canadian Destroyer was like the pinnacle for me. Like, wow. Just, just, just freaking wow. It made that move exciting again. Oh, yeah. It, it, made, it, it made it exciting. Like, damn. Even with Adam Cole doing the Panama Sunrise, it's Panama Sunrise, right? True. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? When he does his version of it, it's like, put your spin on it. Exactly. You know, that put I love. Put your spin on it now. You know? One oh, of I don't th- mind it. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. One other thing I miss, too, is I just miss when wrestlers would go to... Okay, another thing, too. Do you really think it's really important that wrestlers go to Japan and learn this, learn some stuff or just believe in the stealing and shit? Yes, you need to go as many places as you possibly can. You can if you if you can go to Japan, go. If you can go to a dojo in you know if you can go to the uh, Ring of Honor dojo, go. If you can go to PWG, go. If you can go to Mexico, go if you can. Spend time there, learn your craft, make sure that you pick up as much as you can. Make sure that you're well rounded. And burst in different styles. It can't hurt. It, it can't hurt. Agreed. You know. You know. Learn the southern style. Learn. You know. Learn British catch if you can. Oh yeah. Learn. Learn all of that. Get those varying styles of of, of you know for wrestling because you know it makes you a better person. That's another thing too. Believe it or not, I'll kind of I think that will help bring back mainstream audiences. So. Cause I'll never forget. This was years ago when I was over at my aunt's house and I was like watching like, um, it was Saturday night. So they were playing Monday night raw again on like universal or something like NBC universal. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, happy to be watching it. And then Brian was having a match. Right. So I remember my cousin Dominic and also his uh, buddy Zach were over there and it's like, you still watching this? I was like, yeah, let's have it. You know, I'm still do. And it's like, I have watched since like 2000 since the rock and Steve Austin left. That's another thing too. When you have a, a star that's too big, you lose half of the audience. That's right. one thing I noticed as well. 
So what happened was I noticed. So like I was like, yeah, this day, this is um. Anyway, so I think I said something lines of like, yeah, this is Daniel Bryan, right? And it's like, and they were like, yeah, we'll see what he's not really. But whoa, he started doing some athletic shit, right? Some MMA shit, right? And um, they were like taken aback by this, and they were like, yo, that's some MMA shit he's doing. It's like, yeah, I know he's actually a. You know, he's a shoot background. I'm, I wasn't really sure about this kind of set it to kind of add a little more to it, though. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I noticed. Do you think if it was OK, like one thing, too, with AEW, they said we have a more sports based presentation. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck they meant by that, because I see where kind of where it is a sports based presentation. <laughs> but I guess my interpretation of sports based presentation was is not meaning theirs. I don't know. OK. I don't know what they meant either. Yeah. But here's what the deal is. They had to adjust to whatever was going on with the world. Okay, good point too. You see what I'm saying? You can say one thing, you can start off with one thing, and at the end of the day, when new information is presented, you have to change up a little bit. And they you know, they started off with the rankings and all this other good stuff. I like that. I did too. However, it wasn't quite working for them. Yeah, true. So people, you know, are hanging on to this, oh, you know, they say they're still sports-based and want to be the alternative. And it's true, they want to be. But, you know, right now it's kind of hard to get their original vision out there because of this pandemic. Yeah, true. All right, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? You you see what I'm saying? Like, you you know, people are hanging on these words from the beginning and not giving benefit of the doubt as to okay one they're still a new company so you can say one thing and then you know when you get to the pitfalls and everything hey you got to change up a little bit mm-hmm. two is a pandemic most of their most of their plans change all right good point yeah. most of their plans change i mean come on now kenny omega probably would have been champion last year that's a good point <laughs> you know what I'm so i mean hey so how does it feel to know that you've created a haven for black wrestling fans to feel comfortable without bullshit? It doesn't sink in a lot of times. It, it really doesn't sink in like that until, you know, um, I actually go to a show or actually have a watch party and a few people are here and we get to talking about it. And it makes me feel kind of good sometimes. You know, I try not to get a big head about it or anything like that. I really try not to. However, I do understand, you know, this is really important. Oh, yeah. That that part never escapes me. I understand it's important, but I try to keep my feelings out of it. Smart move, you know, because I'm more of a cult of KKK fave. Sorry, I, I have a bit of a stutter sometimes. <laughs> um, and though it's a great group. Um, I really enjoy it. In fact, some of the boys over there, too. I got no problems with it. But you know what? When Kofi won the damn belt the first time around, the best thing to do is this. Shut the fuck up and let people enjoy it. Here's, here's, here's a good example of what happened when that happened. We were having a watch party. And I was I was legit. I was like MVP and Shad. I was actually crying too. I was. I'm on tape crying. You know, I went on live and I was crying. And the fact that nobody questioned the fact that I was so overcome with emotion is what was the best part of that. That was the best part. It's like, oh, no, why are you crying? He just won a belt. No, 
40, 50, 100 other people felt the same way that I felt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was alone. And that was like the greatest feeling right there. Exactly. You know, and it's bigger than that, you know, because right. I'll put it this way. There weren't a lot of black champions in in WWE. Like, okay, The Rock was the first one. All right. Mm-hmm. And after that, Mark Henry too. But it felt like he wasn't like world heavyweight champion. You know, he didn't wasn't the same as The Rock. It was a, it was a unified belt. So it was kind of like not a participation gift or a participation trophy, but it was maybe a few mocks ups in that. Because technically, Mark Henry did have the belt, but it wasn't the same kind of belt that The Rock had, you know? Same with Booker T when he had um, his last championship reign, World Heavyweight Championship reign. Exactly, you know, it didn't have the same prestige and validity as the other bro. So when Bobby Lashley got it, you know, I wish that I was in front of a live crowd, you know, because right. Bobby deserved it. You know, yeah. but someone made a really interesting point though by sheer coincidence. You ever notice whenever MVP gets injured, especially a leg injury, Bobby Lashley gets a belt. He, he wanted it in um, Impact the same way. Exactly. The exact same way. He was nursing the injury. He had his look. Did he have a cane then, or was it the crutches? There was a, he, had, he, he, called, he called him the Jimmy crutches. Okay, he had, the, he had the crutches. Okay, but even still, he won the belt then, and he won the belt now. It's like, oh, man. MVP is the catalyst. <laughs> totally, you know. MVP is the catalyst, and I... I cannot do anything but seeing so many praises to MVP. I might not watch the product or anything, but I really do appreciate what MVP is doing. I got to tell him, I'm trying to make a build reel about this to help get him on the show, actually. So stuff like that, when it's un, you know, when it's uncoached, that helps out immensely. I'm definitely kind of mm-hmm. part out. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's like that's another thing too. Like one of my biggest gripes is when the new day came out, people are gonna say we need to have a serious black stable. It's like we have the hurt business now. Right. Like, not paying attention. I mean, the hurt business literally looks like a cross between Evolution and the Four Horsemen would a cross between J.J. Dillon and Freddie Blassie right now. Right. And I don't understand why people, why black people always have to be the serious people, or they have to be the comedic. You know the comedy acts. Why can't we just have like New Day? You might think they're comedy, but no, they're just black nerds. Pretty much, they're, you know, like, they're just blur. They're just blurs. I'm What's wrong with that? I will never forget when I first saw them come out. It was I'm a bit of a Mandela effect, but it was either the cereal box or either way they were dressed as the goddamn Guinea Force, right? And you're damn yeah. right, I fucking jumped up like HR in his prime. Okay. That ain't the Mandela effect. It actually happened. It they came out the they came out the box, and they because remember that was the the WrestleMania that they hosted and the Hardy Boys came back. That's what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Shit, Xavier Woods is my. Tell you right now, Xavier Woods killed the argument. I'm gonna tell you. You know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> He's the he goat. Does. He does. He's the fucking he, goat. He kills a lot of arguments. He's the fucking goat. If any but any nerd ever says. It's like girls don't like me because I like no 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 no. Xavier Wood has a whole ass video gaming channel and No, they yeah. just don't like you. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude. They don't like you. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm a big I'm a I'm a big I'm a big blur myself and guess what? I've been married twelve years. Exactly, you know. <laughs> I've been married twelve years. Apparently I'm doing something right. Exactly. All right. Apparently I'm doing something right. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Last one. 
if you had a chance to book or promote, like if Naw had a wrestling event, you know, like straight up, they try to do like a black version of All In, kind of like the wrestling equivalent to Watt Stacks, would you take it? And how would you book it or promote it? Oh, I would, I would book it in a heartbeat. I would, I would, I would take the opportunity. I would get it with a couple of, you know, of the black owners, and we would book a non show. And there are, there are three people who have to be there. Ezekiel Jackson, he has to be there. He has to be there. Totally. Chris Bay, he has to be there, and Shane Taylor have to be there. They have been some of the biggest supporters of us since we started. Shane's cool as shit, I got to tell you. Yes. I, I I don't know if I told you last time we spoke, but, you know, at the uh, Blue Japan tour that they had a couple of years ago, 2018, you know, I met him there, and we had, you know, we had a brief conversation, but he was the coolest guy. He just told me, come on down, come meet me, come holler at me for a second. I was like, wow, you know, you're telling, you're asking me to come meet you. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm totally honored by this. You know what? I never forget this. You ever just, have you ever heard this guy named Fat Ass Masa? Yes, I have. I never forget one of my buds said Fat Ass Masa is no has a fan club for being a fan, but I'm like, no, he's the perfect liaison between the both worlds. We right. need guys like that. You know, because what? And I guess I put myself in this now. What we do is we have respect for both sides. Exactly. We have respect for both sides. I know I've been told by a few wrestlers that because I, quote-unquote, stay in my place the way that I do, I try not to, you know, think I know more about the business than I do. I never never try to, you know, I never try to do that. I never try to be like, oh, you know, now that I talk to a couple of wrestlers, I'm in the business. No. I know that I'm still a fan. Yeah. I know that I'm still a fan. However, I do also know, too, that now, because I invested time and energy into, you know, respecting what they do, they trust us a little bit. Yeah. They trust, you know, they trust me a little bit. And that's, that's a good thing for me. I appreciate it. I, I, I really appreciate it. And no, I'm not trying to get in there and take a bump or anything like that. No, that's just not my. Nah. No, no, no. However, what I just try to do is just to be like, look, I'm going to support you. And that's not lip service. That's not lip service. I'm going to support you and I'm going to show you that I support you. Even if I just buy one picture that day. You know, if I just buy a picture. Hey. You see what I'm saying? There if you I go. buy a t shirt. Exactly. Hey. If I come to a show, hey, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, I got to wrap it up right now because, well, AEW is on. So, you know. And don't forget, NXT is on too. NXT is on as well. Yeah, we got to give them both love. Give them both love. Yes. Even though some might be moving to Tuesday soon, which makes a lot of sense, actually. You know what? The core thing is this. Fuck competition. Stay in your own lane so we all fucking win the long run. Yeah. Crazy concept, you know? I mean, sometimes people just don't want to. People don't care. Yeah, exactly. Well, anything else you want to mention or, you know, before I wrap it up? Uh, We can wrap it up right here. 
because I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Oh, completely, you know. So, <laughs> great. I would um, love to talk to you again. The feeling's mutual. Well, until next time, take it easy, man. All right, you be good, man. Have a good night, all right? All right. Hey, it's your buddy McIntyre. Until next time, take it easy.